Welcome to Subject to Blackout. My name is Timo, and with me, as always, from the Name Taken Podcast is Mike. Mike, how are you doing? Good, Tim. How are you? I'm doing well. This week, we decided to dive back into the Criterion <clears throat> Collection yep. uh, and sort of go back to this podcast roots. Uh, this is the 26th mainline episode of Subject to Blackout. Uh, and we're revisiting Jackie Chan. Jackie Chan. Jackie yeah. Chan. Uh, we did Rush Hour 1 and 2 early on, and now we're going back to 1985 to revisit a Criterion classic, uh, a, a Hong Kong Kung Fu classic, uh, Police Story. Mike, this was your idea. You want to tell us a little bit about Police Story? Police Story, <clears throat> it, it's like Jackie Chan's breakout movie where he demonstrates he's like like an action star. And also like kind of an actor. Um, I have a personal connection to Police Story 2. During my time, yeah, <clears throat> during my time as a voice actor. Um, in China. In China, yeah. Um, I was I was given um, a role in Police Story 2 for the English dub. I was not Jackie Chan. I was one of the guys who sends a bunch of other people to go kill <laughs> Jackie Chan. Like, go bring me Jackie Chan. <laughs> <laughs> Bring me Jackie's head. And none of them succeed. Uh, no way. <laughs> <laughs> so is that guy, which is actually way more fun than being Jackie Chan. Yeah, probably. Um, so, but that's not the official English dub. Like, so, so Criterion has both Police Story and Police Story 2. And I did check because it was like, shit, is that my performance, my interpretation of Police Story 2. <laughs> It and just, it's not. It it's, flowed I, out of you. It wasn't even an interpretation. It was just yeah. you were a possession. It was really. a becoming of Police Story 2. <laughs> I became the person who sent a bunch of other goons to take out Jackie Chan. Goon and, number seven. <laughs> uh, no, so fortunately, that, that one seems to be more professionally done. I think the version that we did ended up like being played in, in Uganda as part of like Chinese soft power. Uh, but anyway. Awesome. Oops. Um <laughs> Great, great money, great money for just sitting in a room and being like, bring me Jackie Chan. <laughs> <laughs> One more time, but could you say Jackie Chan more emphatically? Exactly. <laughs> sure, I sure can. Uh, <laughs> and you do, you did a lot of reacting to stuff. It was like, uh, Jackie. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so I'm. Uh, I have a lot of familiarity with the Police Story franchise that way. So the first one's from 1985. That's when we watched. The second one's from like 1989. Uh, yeah, 88 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's it sort of incorporates something <laughs> that became more and more prominent in Hong Kong movies of that era, where it's like the bad guy's a white guy. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is it's not the case for this one. This one's just like triads. But... Yeah. But the later ones would be like that white British guys fucking everything up. So anyway, going back to the roots police story, which is like the great movie, like uh, iconic central movie to Hong Kong cinema. So if you need an entryway into Hong Kong cinema and you've already seen Chunking Express, you already know who Wong Kar Wai is. Then you go to the action side of Hong Kong cinema and you do police story. Yeah, I I don't know anything about any of that other stuff, uh, but I got to say that I really loved this movie. It's it was great. really, really it great. Everything. So here's like today, literally at, at my uh, nine to fiver, I, I recommended it to two people. I was like, yo, it's it's on HBO Max, too, not just Criterion. And uh, yeah, I can't recommend this enough. If you like Jackie Chan movies that you've seen him do with, I don't know, Chris Tucker, uh, and you liked those, this is that with stunts that make you go, ow. Um, Yo, yeah, there's a <laughs> lot of times in this where like, you're like, wow, that guy's probably really hurt. There are like well, a lot did. of stuntmen who like definitely were like, you see like a guy blown off like the second floor <laughs> Of a building, of a building, and, just, and it's a real like, building. So he's hitting a street. Him, you see him hit the ground. You're like, there was no padding, and he lands like on his neck. And you're like, oh my Ooh. god, is that guy dead? And then you see him writhing around. And you're like, all right, he's well, all right, he's in he's pain, right. but yeah, he's, he's moving. Yeah, yeah. I could not 
The stunts in this are fucking insane. They're wild, yeah. Because you just could, you would never see them in a movie these days because it would all be CGI. And you would never see them because they're clearly hitting like concrete and ground from like several story falls. And there's, there can't be pads the way that it's shot. Exactly. Um, unless they're padded up. But I mean, that's still they're not. minimal at best. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and these guys are getting wrecked. And much like American Jackie Chan movies with Chris Tucker, this movie featured a post credits blooper reel, which some of the bloopers were just be having like stuntmen being carried to ambulances in a yeah. lot of pain. Yeah. I was like, Jackie, who is also the director of this movie, it's like, Jackie, that's not a blooper. That's a lawsuit. <laughs> not in the 80s. There's a lot of things. <laughs> not in the 80s in Hong Kong. There's like a lot of things that really date this movie to the 80s. Like within the first five minutes, Jackie Chan, in order to get this chick to shut up, slaps the sunglasses right off her face. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. He also later makes a rape joke. So there's there's there is, there's, there's a like prolonged a, rape joke. Yeah. yeah. So that was... 1985 Hong Kong. I so, mean, warning. Yeah. Um, those are two things. There is some violence against women, even by Jackie Chan. Yeah, uh, I think he only slaps her once. But I mean, she was. There's some hysterical. Yeah, she was hysterical. <laughs> you got to slap the crazy out of him. Yeah. Uh, but then uh, there is some violence against women, but it's the bad guys at the end. Yeah. Um, and the bad guys are getting an equal amount of violence done to them. So it, yeah. it kind of all works out. But yeah. There is a prolonged rape joke by Jackie Chan, and it's just like, wow, this is, ooh, Jackie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that one. Yeah. I mean, but um, the, as a whole, the movie's great. The movie stands yes. up. Yes. It's, it, the pacing is fun. Story's fine. Um, the movie's self-aware. It knows that it's kind of dramatic, so it doesn't take itself too seriously. So yeah. there are really great breaks between a lot of the action where there's like even like physical comedy and slapstick like yeah it's, jackie's it's very so kung funny. fu but yeah so it's not like it's not like jim carrey it's not like weird faces i don't know why i thought this was going to be a serious movie but when i started watching it like it's fairly serious opening up and then there's this wild scene in which I won't spoil for anyone because seriously, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen Police Story, it's so fun. The first yeah. 15 minutes are you're just going to be like, wait, what? Wait, what? Remember when that dude shoots that dude and they just like pan to his crotch? Yep. <laughs> like, whoa. Yeah, there's a this lot is of cr- legit. This, this is, there's some crazy shit going on. But no, so there, the first 15 minutes will hook you like it did me. But then. There is legit parts where I was like laughing out loud to myself, I think in part because I just didn't expect it to be funny. It's called police story, not like rush hour. Right. <laughs> um, uh, not that rush hour is a particularly funny name, but like, I don't know why I didn't think it would be funny because all of Jackie Chan's American movies have comedy in them, like anyone right. that I've seen. Um, and he does it spectacularly. There's the Jackie being silly kind of stuff, which he does, um, you know, throughout all of his American filmography. Uh, And then there's like you were talking about the physical comedy of like him getting a nut shot or, you know, him getting tied up by phones or him eating erasers like it. There's just so much trying to act like he's fighting a guy who's passed out. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That scene was amazing. (laughs) Because he's making it kind of look like the guy is fighting him. Yeah. Oh, it's just Jackie Chan is a master of of his physicality, and he can use it to both bring you a kick ass fucking action scene, like the mall scene at the end of this movie, which is so or, excellently choreographed, un- unbelievable. And that's yeah. all again. That's Jackie Chan choreographing that. That's Jackie Chan directing it. And it's Jackie Chan doing all the stunts. Um. But then he can also bring that physical comedy into it, too. And you like I told my coworkers, like, you have to read this movie because I don't know if there's a dub, but I don't like listening to dubs most of the time. Anyway, no offense to your hard work in uh, a police story, too. It wasn't that hard. I was hungover. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, wait, when haven't you been hungover? Oh. Um, 
but I I gotta say, like, you don't have to read this movie even without the dub because everything's on the screen. Right. Like, you know what's going on. The visual language is so obscenely clear um, that it's a credit to Jackie Chan that in 1990, or I'm 1990, 1985, that he was at the top of his game and he had barely made any waves in America at that point. And this was one of the first things that got him attention in the West and for obvious and, and, and good right. reasons. Yeah. I mean, an- another thing to talk about here, because we're talking about the, all the action sequences and like the very like kind of physical elements of the movie, but like <clears throat> the writing is more is fun and yeah. it's it's sort of like fun and fresh in a way that like Red Notice, which I just watched, like was not. Yeah, there's like really excellent use of different like tropes. Um, this is one of those movies where, in order to prove one's own innocence, one has to go and commit a series of escalating crimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's but the whole when you, once you prove the movie. <laughs> once you prove that the first thing you were accused of is not not you then everything else goes away it's as it's called the written house defense yes <laughs> uh yeah no uh yeah there's whole sorts of like logical leaps that you just have to go with but you don't mind going with them at all because it's a right. silly crazy action-packed movie and you're just like all right they're just they're just trying to get to the next action sequence or the next comedy bit. And I'm, I'm for it. If you're going to speed up the, if you're going to speed up the talkie parts just to get to another amazing, you know, pushing someone through like nine plate glass windows. Like, I don't think they were played like, like, yeah, I think those were legit windows. I think those guys got really injured doing that. They might've been, they in the (laughs) credits of this movie, credited every single store and like shop that they broke yeah it was most of the credits (laughs) and there were like 40 people in like several action scenes so yeah they're they were breaking a lot of stuff in a a real mall in hong kong somewhere yeah uh and again just really funny the scene where he uh like kind of gets demoted to like a farming outpost police office. Yes. <laughs> he steps in like cow shit and he starts doing like um, a Michael Jackson dance and he just yeah, like he plays it off like he was just trying to get shit off of his shoe. And then there's the phone scene where he's like answering nine phones. Um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, right, this this movie was it has parts of like there's DNA in this that lead directly to something like rush hour. Um, there's DNA in this that is also like, uh, you know, I mean, this is also the birth of any sort of like mainstream Kung Fu action movie, uh, that you would see out there. Um, but there's just all of these funny, silly little like comedic bits that, are perfect. Like now that I think about it are perfectly Jackie Chan, but like you just don't get in most action movies that are willing to do this hardcore of stunts. And if for, I mean, for anybody too, that really likes this style of film, like police story is so central to Hong Kong cinema, both like in, in how it's presented, like the, the types of very, quick and sort of dramatic movements of the characters and also of like the the camera those sorts of things are very typical of of hong kong cinema but all you really have to do to explore is to go through the cast and see what else they were in so cast of this movie is pretty central to like hong kong movies in the 80s um but how would you how would you compare police story to jackie chan's american Output. So let's first say Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights. Uh, I can honestly say I don't think I've ever seen those films. So um, wow, wow, I know. Uh, but in comparison to the Rush Hour films, which is what I'm—I mean, it's a cop story. Um, yep. Rush Hour adds fish out of water to it, and right. and Chris Tucker screaming. Um, 
but this is this feels very of a piece of rush hour um for sure they were very very much thinking about how to take rush hour or how to make take police story and americanize it which is unnecessary no it's not necessary no i said it's unnecessary please i think police story is fine for an american audience yeah. yeah yeah um but I think what you got by Americanizing it was two of the best like action comedies of the 90s. So, yeah, you know, you could do worse. I think this film uh, is great. And yeah. you, again, if you like Rush Hour movies and you like Kung Fu or you like one or the other, like watch this fucking movie because it's fucking amazing. Like the practical stunts are out of this world. Crazy, yeah. crazy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just kept yelling at my TV, like, what the fuck is happening? Um, uh, in Even in the first 15 minutes. Yeah. Um, but it feels a little unpolished in, like I said, the, the talky parts. Like, yeah. when he's dealing with his girlfriend, like, the girlfriend doesn't have a character other than she just constantly misunderstands Jackie Chan. <sighs> And then gets mad at him and leaves. And then in the next scene, she's back with him in order to do the same thing. Completely misunderstand Jackie and then get mad and leave. Yeah. They're like Peter Sellers gags. Like, yeah. And it's like, all right, I get it. Like, we don't have to do this every 15 minutes. Reintroduce the girlfriend, have her misunderstand something and then get mad and leave. Right. Um, So, yeah, like that stuff is pretty weak. The getting from scene to scene is pretty weak. Like the bad guy is paper thin. Mm-hmm. Like he's just a drug dealer. Yeah, he's just money. I guess. But and also like at one point, Jackie's like, you're just going to sell those people heroin powder. And it's like, oh, Jackie. Yeah, heroin powder. No one, no one calls it that, Jackie. Yeah, <laughs> like, narc. All right, narc. <laughs> <laughs> you're just going to go smoke your weeds, aren't you? It's like, what? Stop. No one talks like that. Uh, yeah, so it, it tells on itself a little bit that it, it's not to, yeah, I almost said it's not well researched. That's not what it is. It's just it's poorly written in the parts where it's scrappy. Jackie isn't uh, an yeah. expert because uh, Jackie's an expert at fight scenes. And Jackie is clearly an expert at physical comedy. Right. And if we're not doing one of those two things, it kind of uh, uh, stutters and, and, and fits and starts. It doesn't drag the movie down because the movie kind of knows that it's not great at those. So it just right. kind of speeds it along. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, it is. And I think that's where a movie like Rush Hour, Rush Hour 2 uh, gets it a little bit better, a little bit tighter is it. It just goes from point A to point B faster and it varies more in between the physical comedy and the uh, the action scenes. There's mm-hmm. just a little bit more variety in what that movie either chose to do or can do because you know when you bring in culture clash you can have a little bit more uh you can throw around a few more ideas Mm -hmm. um, in between action scenes so yeah i mean this had it been in english this would have been a box office smash for sure um uh and if you know it's release in america obviously got jackie well enough known that he started to be able to transition to Hollywood films. Um, so obviously it was a success in, in that measure as well. But yeah, as a standalone movie, this is one of, I mean, it was an hour 40, one of the tightest movies we watched in a long time. I agree with that for sure. And, and just really, really fun to watch. Well, Mike, I uh, also had the opportunity to play a little catch up this week on mm-hmm. Disney's Shang-Chi. Yeah, that was a great movie. Which uh, I watched earlier in the week and then the other night I watched Police Story and I thought maybe they would be of a piece. Um, mm, racist question mark? Well, because this is the first Kung Fu Marvel movie <clears throat> and sure. I knew Police Story was a Kung Fu movie. Sure. They moral of the story, they are not of a piece. No. Um Shang-Chi was fine. I think the action scenes were pretty cool. And I think this movie I think Shang-Chi for me suffered from two things. Marvel bloat was way too long. Mm-hmm. Um 
I didn't need a giant imaginary dragon fight scene at the end. Yeah, it was a big fight scene. It was, and it kept going. It did. Uh, and I think Shang-Chi suffered from something that a lot of movies are going to be suffering from for the next couple of years mm-hmm. in that large swaths of this movie felt like it was an animated movie. Um, and I think that's because COVID sure. restrictions. And so instead of having four cars pull into an open field, they just went to ILM or or what a digital and were like, draw this up for us. And, you know, it's good. It's really good. There are facts. But in, you know, 4K definition, um, it just doesn't hold up to reality yet. And the beginning of this movie, um, Shang-Chi has a really cool fight scene in a bus, which everybody is. I love that bus seen. scene. Yeah, everybody yeah. is at least seen parts of in, in advertisements and whatnot. Um, if you haven't seen the movie yet. And that's great. And the fight scenes in this are really cool when it's just people, you know, punching and kicking each other. They they really do kind of figure out a way to um, not to the level of Hong Kong uh, uh, in the 80s, but right. to a really good level show allow the, you know, keep calm with the camera and just allow the Kung Fu to, to be Unfold. the star of those scenes. Right. Yeah. Um, so they do a really great job with that. And that was cool. And that's so different for Marvel, you know, just having a guy punching people instead of just like doing weird shit with his hand and then like laser beams shoot out. Um, so I, I like that, but yeah, it was, it was a little bloated mm-hmm. and, and it just, the beginning of this movie just felt like it was a fucking Pixar movie to me because of all the CGI. So, um, other than that, yeah, that's kind of where the connections to, to police story ends as far as I can tell. Um, but a decent Marvel movie. I mean, I think one of the things I liked and I felt like Shang-Chi did this in the same way that, um, what's it called that Shazam did. Yeah. And they're trying to, I thought, draw on this like nineties fantasy aesthetic. Which was, You're talking about Kazam with Shaq, right? No, I'm talking. Yeah, <laughs> I would love Shazam. to see. I would love to see that movie remade as like a gigantic franchise, still with, with Shaq. Shaq again. <laughs> yeah, still with Shaq. Hey, uh, uh, I'm a genie, but I'm pretty tired. So you guys go. You fix that. <laughs> I'm gonna stay right here. What if it was like I got some bad knees? Okay, what if it wasn't Shaq? What if it was like Mark Ruffalo? Like Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> You're a but genie? They, they just stretch him to seven feet tall. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like normal Mark Ruffalo. He's like not acting. Yeah, why do why do why does Mark Ruffalo have to be seven feet tall to be a genie? It's like huh? it's just, he uh-huh. does. Just deal with it. He <laughs> what does he come out of if he doesn't come out of a boom box? Does he come out of an iPad? <laughs> <laughs> Mark Ruffalo would totally come out of an iPad. Well, no, Mark Ruffalo <clears throat> would come out of an Amazon Kindle. <clears throat> Or like, uh, <laughs> Mark, I didn't call on you. I just was trying to swipe it to see what time it was. He's like, All right, I'll go back in the Kindle. <laughs> so I felt like it was drawing on that kind of tradition, that sort of like over the top visual tradition. And, um, so I was okay with some of the more like kind of fantasy focused sequences because I felt like it was going there. I think Simulio yeah. as a frontman, I think is like very charismatic. I yeah, like, I thought he was really good. I liked him as an actor and at least like as a superhero actor. And I liked him. I think I thought he held his own in like a lot of the fight sequences. He had to like learn a lot of that stuff for the movie. Um, but he doesn't really seem. <clears throat> at any point to be too, you know, wooden or anything. He's like really, he's really yeah, got if it. You told me he had a background in, you know, gymnastics or martial arts or something. I would totally believe you. Yeah, because you're uh, racist and he's Asian. I said gymnastics. Uh, I guess gymnastics is. I don't know. What what else are you have to be really flexible in and, and be able to jump and shit? I mean, as far as, as I like can gymnastics tell. Gymnastics and karate. <clears throat> uh, um, yoga. Uh, you're not jumping in yoga. Yoga's pretty chill. <laughs> you are stretchy, though. Some types of extreme porn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
If you told me he had a background in extreme porn, I'd believe you because some of those kicks were pretty high. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, he was no, always I, an actor. He could have. He could have had an only star things. before. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also thought Akinfen or uh, Aquafina. Akinfenwa. Yeah. Aquafina. Wa, yeah. Who she was I fun. haven't seen in much. She was great. Yeah. Uh, I was worried. Casting about, was good. Yeah, I was worried a little bit about overexposure for her character, but they just used her the right amount. Yeah, casting. Um, I mean, ca- it's cast. It's Marvel casting, which is always like pretty dead on. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen Eternals yet, so I can't complain about that one. Yeah, I don't think the acting is the problem with Eternals. Everybody seems to just be like, it's too many characters. Okay, sure. Is the is a big problem? You know, trying to introduce ten people in one movie. Um, yeah, and it's really like eleven people in one movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's why I haven't seen that. But yeah, I, you know, we decided to do Police Story uh, uh, last week. And then I, I saw Shang-Chi was coming out and I thought, hey, you know, there's there's a theme. Karate movies then and now. Perfect. Uh, and, <clears throat> well done. Uh, yeah. So I watched I watched a whole mess of karate this week. And uh, I, I if I'm going to recommend Shang-Chi or Police Story, I'm going Police Story. Um, but uh, if I had to pick one, I would pick Play Story. Yeah. yeah. All right, Mike. Well, that was the uh, first half, the the karate half. So let's take a quick little break, and we'll be right back with more. Next week on Subject to Blackout. Now that we're past Thanksgiving, Mike and I have had some time to review season one of Netflix's live action version of Cowboy Bebop. As we discussed on our Cowboy Bebop anime pod, Mike and I were both very excited and intrigued by the prospects of this new version led by John Cho. Without giving too much away, I can say that Jazz is still a heavy influence, if not a character, in the updated series, and while they remix some storylines and ideas from the anime and pepper in a new, unique, cinematic look, this new version is still very much Cowboy Bebop. And while personal lives and holidays have gotten in the way of a regular release of this podcast recently, rest assured, Mike and I have plans to release at least a couple of mainline podcasts this December, as well as one soccer special that should be released sometime within the next week. So join us, won't you, as we discuss Cowboy Bebop next week on Subject to Black. All right, Mike, we just talked about Police Story and a little bit more about Shang-Chi. has there been anything else that you have been watching or listening to or otherwise consuming pop culturally? This uh, <clears throat> I watched Red Notice, which is the the big movie on Netflix. I watched was that one. Bring this up, yeah. Did you? Uh, what were your thoughts on Red Notice? Because I have I have not watched sure. Netflix's biggest opening ever. They claim. Um, yeah, that so movie. I, maybe I'm the only person, but I I did not watch this. It was bad. That movie f- sucked aggressively it looked it looked kind of really bad i mean you know i like i like the rock as a person oftentimes yeah, in his roles yeah but but this movie underscores this this quote i heard about the rock that i've like i love and i've kept with me but he makes he makes bad movies good he makes yeah. good movies good and he makes great movies good he's like a great equalizer so like do you know what I mean? I mean? It's hard to argue otherwise. Um, he's just, he's always there, and you're like, oh, this is all right. It's the Rock. It's a Rock movie. He's, yeah, great. So I I yeah. think The Rock. Your point is valid. I don't think he's been in great works. Yeah, like even Jason Momoa was in Dune, and he's like, "Hey, as long as I don't fuck this up, I'm gonna be in Dune for 25 minutes." Right, <laughs> <laughs> and he was in Dune for 25 minutes, and he was perfectly fine. And if The Rock had played that role, like, yeah, he would have been fine. Would have, I think he would have been fine too. Maybe even a little bit more uh, gravitas with him. Maybe, but he's big. But he just doesn't. He has the Michael Fassbender issue where mm-hmm. his agent doesn't know how to find him good work because Michael Fassbender is a great actor and he's never in anything good ever. <laughs> yeah. No, I, it, the, the thing the thing about this movie was they're like, what? Let's just find three actors who are always themselves in every single movie. Yeah. That's and like, true. All right. Ryan Reynolds playing Ryan Reynolds. Gal Gadot playing hot 
and <laughs> right she's playing tits in a dress uh sorry like she she was like sick in the first wonder woman and they were like you know what can you be less impressive and be just hot what if you're really it wonder woman up on a guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> so what if you allow your uh dead boyfriend to take over someone else's body and then rape that person and you're like um no, right, Gal great. Gal Gadot, sorry. Yeah, to uh, write so, it up. Yes. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, uh, so Gal Gadot is hot, and then Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne The Rock Johnson as Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So, like, the, I mean, the plot's inane, but, like, that can be okay. Like, yeah. you know, I'll sit down and watch a national treasure just to watch Nicolas Cage wig out about Amer- like American history, um, we gotta find the Declaration of Independence. Yeah, and and just have also sometimes John Voight also wig out. Um, so like I'm I'm fine with the premise of like, you know, like Grand Stupid. Escapes, Adventure, Intrigue, Nazi Gold, whatever. Yeah. So so this movie attempts to combine, um, a prison escape movie. Uh, with a heist Ocean's Eleven style movie with Indiana Jones with that's pretty much it no wait with uh, I mean Ryan Reynolds is in it as Ryan Reynolds so I'll say with Van Wilder Um, and it sucks it really sucks writing's terrible the other thing (laughs) writing is just like like Police story, police story is way better than this. Uh, writing's terrible. Um, it's just like but someone is the writing good. Someone stitched. It's like someone stitched together a bunch of one liners, and they're like, "Oh no, you do one liner." So, um, like, how Netflix has this ability to just throw money at any project. And I feel like 95% of their movies that they make are just hot trash. Yeah. And I like you. I I have a theory. You would think their misses would average a a lower percentage than 95%. Right. Um, just, Just by accident. Just by giving the right person, a, you know, a decent budget, like, and and hoping that they can, you know, make something work, but like, it's kind of like I was recently talking to someone about A twenty four, and they're like, "Well, they have sort of an aesthetic," and it's like, A twenty four doesn't have an aesthetic, right? They buy made films, right? They can't have an aesthetic, yeah. <laughs> that they just have a couple of people's tastes, and if you the like curatorial. the movies. Yeah, yeah, if you like the movies they like and right. can buy, then you'll like A24 movies. Right. They look very different. They are uh, very different in themes, in tone, in in cinematography. But they're all like a certain quality because they have good taste as a company. And Netflix just straight up fucking doesn't. Like they have these things that every once in a while hit. Orange is the New Black was a hit pretty like pretty much right away. Yep. Um, Stranger Things Stranger was Things. kind of an out of nowhere hit. Right. Uh, Tiger King out of nowhere hit. Not that that's good taste or anything, but like it's like the stuff they don't expect to do well. Outperforms their expectations for these blockbusters like Bird Box and stuff, which even that was kind of like out of the blue. I don't know. That I just feel movie. like a lot. Yeah, I liked it. It was a weird movie. Yeah, I just feel like a lot of what they try to put out there, it just it looks like trashy, like Michael Bay wannabe stuff. And then they got in bed with actual Michael Bay to make on Six Underground, which was also with Ryan Reynolds, which also sucked. Yeah, yeah. that was that was something that was really interesting about Red Notice is that nobody in the heist did parkour. 
So it couldn't have been Michael Bay making it. Have there, you even heist? There wasn't one guy with like a South London accent that does parkour. And that's like, oh, what does he do? Oh, well, he like jumps over trash cans in a weird way. We'll need him. We'll need him. <laughs> don't don't you worry, Charlie Brown. I'm going to go get in it. <laughs> yeah, look, look at the way he jumps over that dumpster. We need him. So <laughs> he learned that in Chelsea. So like that. Yeah, so that that sucked. And then the the other thing about it, among the other things about it that they completely sucked was so much of it was filmed in front of green screens and the lighting is so inconsistent with the backgrounds that you're kind of like, it's obvious you're not in any of these locations. And some of them were even just sort of like outside. Like, why did that have to be a green screen? Like, we, yeah, outside. We got to come up with a name for that because it, I think a lot of that, especially like the outside shit is, is COVID related in that it's just easier to stick four people in a room with a camera. Um, yeah, so I don't know if that's uh COVID cinema or, or COVID screening, but it's yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about with Shang-Chi yeah. or Shang-Chi, which is just like, why, why are those cars CGI? They're not shooting rockets, they're just fucking cars, <laughs> <laughs> they're not exploding, they're not doing anything, they're just driving into a field and you CGI'd those cars. You're gonna find out in like what eight years fuck? that they were they were transformers the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could tell because one of them was bright yellow and he was speaking in the songs on his radio. Yeah, and um Shia LaBeouf was screaming at it. Just do it. <laughs> uh yeah yeah that's that's unfortunate i feel like there's gonna be a a lot of that green screening stuff i actually uh before we jumped on here earlier i uh was watching a, a video about how dune was filmed and they didn't use blue or green screens um and they shot all of their outdoor footage outdoors and so what they would do instead of like building giant uh uh, you know, sets outside. Right. They would use sand colored screens sand. instead of green <clears throat> and blue. Makes sense. And so it, the colors reflecting off of the characters looked sandy. Like the environment. So the, the, the skin tone colors were, were much more natural and it was much harder to tell that that was like, that's I true. All I didn't of know. those sets were yeah. real sets. That's that, smart. They all looked real. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's what a creative, smart director does is he finds workarounds in even COVID times and uh and yeah you know marvel's marvel's got a a sort of uh you know production line sort of philosophy to their movies so they're gonna do what they do and know what to do and that's blue and green screens and yeah netflix i i think you know i'd like to grant their issues with you know, blue screening to COVID, but it might just be that red notice fucking sucked. It sucked. And that's the beginning and end of all end yep. of it. Uh I I watched uh a movie this week, uh, which I had never heard of before mm-hmm. uh, I watched it, uh called Coherence. Okay. I watched it on Amazon uh Prime. It's starring no one you've heard of and directed by a nobody. It's so underground. It's so hip. But it, it wasn't hip or anything. Uh, I, I follow a podcast that watches a sci-fi movie every weekend on mm-hmm. Twitch, and this was the sci-fi movie. And I won't get into the plot because I think it's worth watching. Uh, it's okay. not a great movie. Sure. It's a pretty, pretty good movie mm-hmm. with a really, really cool It raises concept. questions. Okay. Like really primer. cool concept. I was going to say. Okay. It's it feels very primary mm-hmm. until all of the sudden it doesn't. Okay, fair enough. Uh, right at the end where they're like, "Hey, let's end the movie in the next fifteen minutes," sure. uh, and they do. Um, but yeah, Primer asks some real questions and stuff, and this story starts asking them and like almost gets to finish asking them, and then is like, "Listen, it's time for us to go, so we we're just gonna wrap this up." Um, but yeah, Coherence, uh, uh, again, on Amazon Prime, at least, um, from 2013. Uh, the first 10 to 15 minutes are a little hard to get into. I guess there wasn't really a script for most of this movie. It was <laughs> just like, 
plot points. There, it was like a bunch of actor friends who got together and made this. Cool. Um, and I like that kind of. Stuff. So they were they were told in scenes like, "Hey, you have to bring up this, or you have to bring up this." So like the first couple of scenes are introductory, and and it's just kind of like actory people being actory people. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but once they actually have like plot points to hit, the movie really gets going and starts. Starts uh, making you kind of guess what's going on and, and figuring stuff out. So it, it, a movie I would highly recommend. Cool. Yeah, I'll check that out. One other thing that I have uh, finally done this week. Yeah. Is I am current with Apple uh, TV Plus's foundation. again. Oh, thank God. Uh, so I know. I know you were concerned. Yeah. Um, <sighs> How's it going? Did you have to suffer through it? Because I hope so. No. I hope it sucked. <laughs> I was suffering through episodes one through five. I don't know where that I came was... from. That was really, that was, yeah. that was you a really little bit. I hate this. Yeah, that, was a, that was a little bit much. Uh, <laughs> I think it's because of the sake. I don't know. It's getting into you. <laughs> uh, episodes one through five I was watching uh, as weekly releases. Yeah. And that was giving me time to think about the giant Math. plot holes that sure. this sh- that the show either doesn't care enough to fill in or is too stupid to realize they're doing or a third point, which I don't think is even possible, but I will give them, you know, the, the, the open ending for, and I will say maybe they will fill in some of those plot holes in the final episode of the season, which drops this evening. Uh, Also fourth possible point based on my viewing of red notice they assume that the audience is too stupid not it's stupid enough not to care or disengaged enough not to notice that is that is a, a possibility with most works i don't think that's a possibility with this work okay i think it i think the most likely are they're hoping you don't it like they just they don't care enough to fix the plot holes and they're just like it's a cool thing, so it doesn't matter that it's breaking a thing we said like 30 minutes ago. Yep. Or or they're just as a collective, a group of bad writers who are missing the fact that they're just making giant fucking stupid decisions. Yeah, um, I think they're bad writers. Just c- contradictory, contradictory decisions. Yes, and also you pointed out the math thing, and that happened in episode five again, where they were like, <gasps> math. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God damn Exponents. it. Exponents. Uh, uh, Pythagorean theorem, and I'm just like, God damn it, Mike! I, I had a dream I about. Think I would have thought X. about this. Yeah. <laughs> what even is N? <laughs> <laughs> At one point, Jared Harris was just like, "Solve for X, child." <laughs> <laughs> he didn't say that, uh, but there was a scene where uh, one of the characters was like, <gasps> "Math." Math, 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 math. And it just felt so skimming the surface and saying buzzwords. And I was like, God damn you, Mike. So I stopped watching for several weeks. And then he uh, was like, it's not your fault. <laughs> no, it wasn't. My it wife, was she farted. She farted. <laughs> <laughs> Jared Harris is not Robin Williams. <laughs> the, but the actress could be Matt Damon. <laughs> She's good at math. Don't okay. do this to me, Mike. <laughs> not you, Mike. It's not your fault. <laughs> Mike, stop it. <laughs> How about them apples? Well, fucking do this to me, Mike. <laughs> Red uh, socks. <laughs> <laughs> Worcester. <laughs> Harvard. Harvard. <laughs> I'm a construction worker. Boston. I go to Have I it. go to Duncan every <laughs> single day. It's wicked good. Okay, so I watched episodes six, seven, eight, and nine in more of a binge fashion, sure. and that makes the show much more tolerable because you don't have time. You don't have a week to sit and simmer with your thoughts of like, wait, didn't they say that this wasn't possible? And then they did a very similar thing. <laughs> because that's happened like four times and i listened to a podcast that's dissecting it and one of the guys is like yeah that was a problem for me the other guy's like well what if we talk for 15 minutes and come up with a headcanon reason why that's okay it's like 
I don't want to work that hard. The show just shouldn't be fucking stupid. <laughs> this this is also Foundation is the first novel and also the franchise predate that well not not predate but predate within science fiction the sort of dune style of just being like gigantic books that are just dense with information like the the yeah. each book itself is probably like around 200 pages like they're information rich but they're not like yeah, and it's not lore building right this isn't game of thrones exactly like said, this isn't dune yeah readers this are not expected to sort of pay ideas. attention to the tiniest details there's no yeah. these there are Chekhov's guns but they're not like these tiny minute things that you're awarded for paying attention to yeah and so from everything i've i've uh gleaned from uh listening to others who have read at least the first book foundation um the whole middle part of the series kind of skewed away from what was going on in that book. Um, but we're kind of getting to a major, we're basically at a major plot point again, that's bringing us right back into the book, which kind of makes sense is again, it's a 200 page book. That's about big ideas rather than uh minuscule, uh, you know, plot points. So I understand that you would have to during a, a season, if you want that to be the arc, the first book is the first season, then yeah, okay, sure. Then you're going to have to do some divergent stuff. Mm. The stuff that they're doing with the empire is fucking really cool and really great and really well acted. That's good. And then, and everything they're doing with the people who are on the foundation planet is boring and lame. And there's plot holes left and right. And that's a shame. That's exciting in the book. Yeah, I know. And I think we're getting to a point where that's going to pick back up, but if you're going to watch Foundation, and I don't think you will, um, but if you, if you are listening and yeah. are going to give Foundation the series a chance, I would say binge it. You know, sure. You don't have to watch 10 episodes in a row, but I would watch, you know, three episodes a night for a couple of nights. And I think that will provide a better viewing experience. And just know that. Like, this is not. Game of Thrones quality television. Right. And it could get there. It, it absolutely could get there. It seems desperate to be, but Yeah, and it seems it's it seems like uh Apple TV Plus's uh, you know, big swing for the fence to try to have a prestige sci-fi or fantasy show. Um much like Game of Thrones. But it just for better or for worse, the showrunners uh, of of Game of Thrones were really, really, really good at adapting the material at hand. And that included creating plot lines out of whole cloth. It, you know, that even uh, George R. R. Martin was like, yeah, yeah. it's a really good idea. Um, and it shit really works. And, and they were really good at adapting the books. And once they ran out of books, that's when the show went south. These guys for foundation have a bunch of books and um, do not appear good. Yeah, do not appear to be adapting the works uh, in a way that is is as a as a critical viewer of the show uh, satisfying. So maybe uh, turn your brain off and look at the cool stuff and focus on the Empire stuff because that's really cool. But um, yeah, Foundation. It's uh, it's okay. It's just okay. Watch Police Story. Yes. Over f- foundation. Police story. Police story all the way for for this episode. Yeah, police story is better than everything else I've talked about this uh, this evening. So me too. Yeah. All right, Mike. Do you have uh, anything else that you've been maybe uh, listening to or reading or playing? That's it. That's been the week. Uh, did you get any uh, Halo Infinite in in the last couple of days? It crashes every time I get in there. So yeah, and the advice on the old Xbox. Yeah, the advice on the internet was Buy download it again. And I was like, fuck you, I'm not gonna download it. And you know what the fuck you're talking about. Download it again. That's like that's what you tell people when you don't know what the fuck you're doing. So I'm not gonna download it again. I think you should download it. I'm not gonna do that. We'll just play it. We'll just play it later. And I can't I can't get a new Xbox because like I mean you scalpers in the pandemic fucked that. <laughs> yeah, I mean you can if you're willing to pay a thousand dollars or more for an Xbox. I'm not, um, but yeah, 
you know, you have a hand-me-down Xbox. You can blame me. I can play it on PC. I can play it on. True. I can play it on the computer. That is true. Okay, I'm gonna think about that. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I got a few games of Halo Infinite, and and it was fine. And I'm gonna be trash at that game for the first like six months that we play. It, yeah, we'll we'll whatever. begin being trash tomorrow. It'll be great. Woohoo! Uh, but the one thing I uh, last thing I wanted to talk about mm. was I have uh, sort of enjoyed this band Pine Grove mm-hmm. um, for a while, and they recently released two singles uh alaska and orange uh off of a january upcoming album and alaska is kind of a bop um and orange is kind of really great too and it's cool three four time and it's about like a waltz like yeah it's like it's like a a kind of punkish indie rock waltz about uh how the right in this country is ignoring all of the problems at the uh, at the detriment to the world. Cool. Um, cool. And more more excited to uh, talk about how they're poning all of the left than actually doing anything to make anything better. That's true. Uh, and yeah, it's not often you hear a waltz that's a politically active waltz. Um, so I've I've enjoyed those two songs off their upcoming album Eleven Eleven, um, and it I I would say they're like Death Cab if Death Cab uh liked more punk rock growing up. Oh, I like the sound of that. Cool. Um, he sounds very much like the guy from uh, Death Cab. Ben Gibbons. Um, yes, sure. I don't care. Death Cab guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So I've been listening to that and uh and and some. Why don't you call him Cutie? Of- you just went straight for Death Cab. I don't know. I I just always refer what does to it Death say Cab as Death Cab. <laughs> I like cabs that are filled with death, Mike. That's what that says about me. And that's all it says about me. Mm. Um. So yeah, that's what I've been listening to and playing. And uh, next week, I think uh, we might watch a movie. We, I, we at the this point of recording, we haven't decided yet. But I know something that we're both going to be checking out uh, tomorrow or this weekend uh, on Netflix. And that will be the release of the brand new uh, Cowboy Bebop live action. Oh yeah. Michael has a whole sound system set up. Yeah. Uh, Super excited for the music. The story is getting mixed reviews. So I, yeah, I, I'm there for it. I'm going to watch. I'm in it for the aesthetic. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's really bad. I'm going to watch the whole thing. Cause I think that, it sounds like it has a ton of potentials. So. Yeah, no, let's, yeah, let's, let's crush that. So, looking forward to watching that and uh, whatever movie we decide to watch, which you guys already know about because I put it in the ad in the middle. Uh, <laughs> but that's it for this week. All right, for those of you listening along, you can head on over to subjectofblackout.com or you can reach out to us uh, on any of our socials, including Instagram, Patreon, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube. Uh, You can also feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on any of those. And lastly, you can find Mike on Instagram and Twitter at Name Taken Podcast. Mike, thanks for joining me. Cheers, Tim.